You really mustn't, darling. I... Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Can I Comment Season 1, Episode 17, which is going to officially conclude our first season of the podcast. It's been such a fun first run of episodes. And uh, we're going to be taking a few weeks off, but not to worry. We're going to be back ASAP with fresh episodes, interviews, and uh, the regular shenanigans. But in the meantime, we would love to hear from you. So hit us up on Instagram. Our current handle is la.church. And let us know what you like. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know what you want more of, topics you'd like to hear us talk about, people you'd like us to interview, and all of that stuff. Also, if you're digging the podcast so far, please, please, please do us a huge favor and go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, give us a rating, and of course, don't forget to subscribe. Also, share your favorite episode around with friends to help us spread the word. Well, this episode today, closing out season one, is going to be a fun one because on Monday, our friend Nathan Finocchio was in Los Angeles, and so we sat down Monday afternoon for a wide-ranging conversation, and as per usual with Nathan, things got a bit irreverent, so be prepared for that. We're going to go right into this conversation, and again, we will see you back here in just a few weeks as we continue with season two of Can I Comment? Talk to you soon. This is episode 17 uh, of Can I Comment? Thanks for listening. Is that Jesus blue Christ there? That is. Yes, Jesus with a blue crown of thorns, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And he it says Jesus is Lord on the top. In really He's got letters. a couple wild hairs. Yeah, he does. It's a great picture though, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing I like about it is you can't tell if he's white or if he's Arabic right? Mm-hmm. or Asian, you know, any insert any ethnicity. Yep. He is all of them. Mm-hmm. Very postmodern. And that's the Jesus that I, when I think, when I kneel at the, at the, at the, at the altar, the Jesus that I worship, I don't see his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Guys, we're here with Nathan Finocchio and Jake. Nathan uh, is in town, spoke for us at church yesterday, which was um, amazing. Why don't you give us, Nathan, like a 30-second summary of what you talked about yesterday? Can you even do that? Yeah, I can do that. Put Um, you on the spot here. uh, God is is holy and God is love. Those are two major themes. It's an Old Testament theme and a New Testament theme. Both of them are Old Testament and New Testament. We see a loving God throughout the Psalms, and we see a loving God... Uh, throughout the prophets, lamentations. I mean, you know, ends with catastrophe and then um, and then this really redemptive thought. And then, you know, we see God holy throughout the New Testament, just a lot. You know, like you'd think that the holy God would have totally disappeared. Mm. Alas, he's still holy. <laughs> and so as Christians, we need, we, we should act, we, should, we shouldn't project onto God. We, sh- we should allow him to self-define and we should worship him accordingly. And we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. I can know God accurately. I can't know him exhaustively but I can know them accurately. And so uh, as Christians and as adults, you know, we're called to, uh, to accurately, accurately represent the people that we're in relationship with. And God wants to be known accurately, worshiped accurately, known in truth, worshiped in truth. And I need to, that, if, if that means that I have to hold seem, uh, two seemingly competing truths in tension, and that's a huge task for any, I mean, for anybody, even politically, like mm-hmm. just, just imagine politically having to hold, to say that two things are, can be true at the same time, mm-hmm. that lived experience is true and, uh, and observable and repeatable data is true also. Right. You know, that's a huge tension. Right. Um, that justice and mercy can kiss. Right. You know, um, so that's essentially, that's really that's probably about a minute and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's a great yeah. summary. It's great. But so that's all you're getting. How do, <laughs> so like when you talk about knowing God accurately, we believe that the Bible is how you know God accurately. Yeah. Um, I guess like, why do we believe that? And is it a sensible thing to believe? Maybe that's worth talking about. Yes, it is. I love this. We'll yes, swivel. Move it all around. Pretty sick, right? Move it all around. Yeah. Like why is it, why are the scriptures, well, Jesus said that the scriptures were about him. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Um, Jesus also said that Jesus also quoted the scriptures accurately mm-hmm. uh, when he was talking about who God was. Mm-hmm. You know, which is that's pretty important. Yeah, the term that we would use theologically is internal evidence. Okay, so the scripture is full of internal evidence. It makes a ton of claims about itself, mm-hmm. not just like Second Timothy three sixteen, right? But Jesus Himself making mm-hmm. you know statements. Um, 
about scripture and the purpose of scripture, et cetera. So yeah, there's just, there's overt claims. Mm -hmm. Um, What about like on like a kind of like a more meta level? Like, do you ever think about how interesting it is that the God of the universe chose to make himself known through what is now a book? Like I always, I think about that a lot. And to me, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like God's going to communicate to us the way that is effective um, and in a way that can be like passed down for thousands and thousands of years. Because I think people sometimes kind of like maybe get hung up on that idea of like really like the best way that I can get to know God. And this is why people kind of go off, I think, in like weird new agey directions. There there feels like more reliable, experiential, exciting ways to know a divine power. Right. And people get caught up in that. And sometimes it can sound a little bit boring to be like, actually, know the best way to know God um, is to read this and to study it. Mm. And I think helping people to come back to like loving that idea and seeing that idea as like so actually rational and sensible Mm. um, would be an important movement, I think, to happen in Christianity. Yeah. Do you ever think about that? Like it's a book. Yeah. Yeah, it's a book. I mean, how can I know? How can I know Caesar? You know, I can I can know him through his writings. Mm -hmm. You know, um, how can I know Aristotle? How can I know? Um, Plato, you know, like I can know historical people, you know, through their writings, right? So um, it's pretty, seeing as God as a person Mm -hmm. and describes himself as a person. Who didn't just live, he still lives. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he still lives, exactly. Um, But there's all these stories of people who had experiences with him and he causes them, you know, in the uh, inspiration of scripture, we believe in two authors, all you know, an ultimate author, but two authors, the authorship of humans and the authorship of the divine. Right. And we hold those two things in tension. Totally. Exactly. So these guys were moved by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to write these things down. But um, in the same way that people are known by their words, you know, if we read Chesterton or Lewis or Dickens, mm-hmm. I mean, we know, you know, Charles Dickens from his, his books, you know, William Shakespeare. I mean, we know him so well from his his writings, mm-hmm. right? Um, we know people, you know, through the the things that they create, et cetera, and things that they say about themselves. Ultimately, we allow people to self-define. Um, and um, that's how we know God. God's a person, and as a person, he wants to self-define. And mm-hmm. so, of course, there's a Bible. Of course, he's left words about himself right. and influenced words, mm-hmm. and, and, and of course, is, and is an author. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that is the most rational, that's the most rational case mm-hmm. for... Uh, a collection of writings to describe mm-hmm. one's character. And why can we say confidently that the case is closed? In terms of what? Well, like, why can't I have a relationship with God and like add my own thoughts to the Bible? Well, for sure you can, you know, like you could, you can, you can, you can create a God in your own image, mm-hmm. you know? So that's ultimately the difference, right? The difference would be that um, we can all create whatever we want, but we just have to admit that that's what we've done. But you you have 44 authors, 66 books, mm-hmm. and over you know three thousand years, and mm-hmm. then there's some sort of like insanity of continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like this one story. It's this strange collective. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that doesn't make sense. You know, like uh, if you when you look at it, it's just like well, how can the Bible be final? Right. Yeah. Um, but like the, the continuity to it is just is like with those forty four different. There's something there's something special about this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the finality of it or the finality of the canon. I like to think of it as there's this passage in, in I believe it's Exodus, and um, it's when Moses is confronted by uh, Miriam and mm-hmm. um, and Aaron for marrying the Ethiopian woman they're not happy about. Mm-hmm. And so God's like, hey, you know, when I speak to prophets, I speak to them in riddles and dreams, but not so with my servant Moses. I speak to him as a man speaks to his friend, mm-hmm. you know, face to face, mano y mano. <laughs> um, and that's, if you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament is built upon face-to-face revelation. Of course, mm-hmm. it's edited. You know, every good every good book is edited, but you never say that when a book is edited that it doesn't the authorship is somehow changed. You know, right? Um, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and it's face to face revelation, right? Like Moses has unique revelation in a unique way that other prophets don't even get, mm-hmm. and everything else is built off of that. So, for example, like the prophets, their job was just to remind Israel of, of the, the of this stuff exactly. Right. So. Uh, when when David's talking about the law of the Lord in the mm-hmm. book of Psalms or in the book of Proverbs, mm-hmm. you know, meditate on this stuff. It's just referring back to here, right? right? The Gospels kind of function the same way in the New Testament in that they're face-to-face revelation. And Paul, of course, is, is the one guy that's allowed in the gang because he has a face-to-face right. uh, encounter right. with Jesus. So um, the Old and the New Testament are these unique books that 
are written uh, by the foundation of which are face-to-face revelation with God. Mm-hmm. And then there are histories and sort of writings, uh, prophetic writings and, and, and musical writings, liturgical writings, whatever, that are that come on top of it, but they accurately reflect mm-hmm. you know, the, the foundation, mm-hmm. et cetera. They and interpret and apply. Correct. Mm-hmm. So the canon, essentially, when you're going, why isn't another book allowed in? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, because of the criteria. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's face, there's clearly face-to-face revelation in here. And then there's writings that are corresponding with that. The mm-hmm. Jewish canon was kind of closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Christian canon, exactly, same criteria. It's like if JFK, you know, November 22nd, 1963, his head gets blown to pieces in Dallas. Yeah, somebody up in the book suppository is shooting. Mm-hmm. And, but there's like four, potentially five other shots, right? You see the front of his skull mm-hmm. tearing open mm-hmm. from the Saputer film, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if a hundred years later, you know, or 200 years later, people are writing things that just clearly didn't happen. And like, obviously the Warren Commission is a lot of BS. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's a lot of other things that happened. We don't necessarily know who, but we know that JFK, we know the basics of his life and we know how it ended, mm-hmm. you know, on that, that fatal left turn. Mm-hmm. So uh, my point simply being that the Gnostic Gospels and the late Gospels, the uh, the pseudographical mm-hmm. writings um, that like show up 300 years later, 200 years later, 100 years later. And like they have, it's it's like saying, and they're saying things about Jesus that none of his best friends and witnesses, mm-hmm. eyewitnesses corroborate. Right. You know, it would be like in 100 years from now, somebody going, you know, well, Oh wow, JFK's best friend just wrote a secret document about JFK just came out. <laughs> you know, and it says that he uh he was in fact a homosexual um and was in a relationship with Liberace <laughs> and hated women, you know, like right. and it's like dude, like right. the the gap, right. you know, is like so because there's 2000 years we're 2000 years removed from uh, these early writings, hundred-year gaps don't seem to be a, that significant, right? But just place that in context mm-hmm. of the, of the modern, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like actually, yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that, yeah, like if you know what I mean, like if Jesus lived in a hundred years ago in the twenties, mm-hmm. and then there's documents that are just that we're just finding now, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and they don't corroborate with any of the eyewitnesses, right? You know, um, and the eyewitness accounts are like the most important thing ever in the ancient world. They were they were so highly credible, right? Which is why Je- Josephus was was so highly esteemed as an author, right? Because he was literally shot with an arrow trying to negotiate a truce between right. the Romans and the, <laughs> and the Jews, and like yeah. So it's like <laughs> you know, I was there, man. Look, yeah. <laughs> um, so the eye- eyewitness accounts didn't didn't ruin the story. They actually. You know, the uh, first century people were like, man, this actually legitimates or legitimates or legitimizes, legitimates, legitimizes um, the story. Right. So um, all that to say, yeah, I mean, we could we could we could go on, mm-hmm. you know, without getting into the weeds. But the point just simply being that, like, when when there are, you know, I was reading the Gospel of Thomas, you know, the other day. And it's like, dude, like you wouldn't do that in anybody else's life. Right. You know, right. Yeah, unless your motivation is to remake that person in your own image. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the canon is like the canon's been closed and chosen because of really, really reasonable, sane mm-hmm. issues. And when we observe them and we consider them, we go, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. I understand the Christian church would close off mm-hmm. Christian writings mm-hmm. from people who knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like a pretty good idea. And I guess in another, from another respect to when it, I guess when it comes to like uh, God's great redemptive plan, there is nothing else to say, yeah. you know, uh, in, in a certain respect. Um, and so it, it makes all the sense in the world to go, okay, mm-hmm. this is, this is a, a finished work. Yeah. And now we know what to look ahead to. Yeah. Uh, and this is, provides us everything that we need to live a faithful Christian life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's on my heart a lot. I just want people to fall in love with the idea of getting to know God through the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and I love that you talked about that yesterday. We had fun yesterday. We had we? a lot of fun. Why do you guys think it's such a, <clears throat> why it feels like a task to get people to do that? Because they don't like what it says. Mm-hmm. That would be what I run into all the time. But, uh, mm-hmm. Even as, as a, I think this is the first time I'm like admitting I'm a pastor on this podcast, but <laughs> as a pastor, um, People say, oh, I love Jesus. I don't like Paul. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, well, that means that's because you're assuming that you understand Jesus better than Paul understood Jesus. And that's arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on the point of eyewitnesses and people who knew him face to face, you got to take it all together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think when you can get over the fact that like this doesn't suit my modern sensibilities, um, it actually becomes really exciting to read mm-hmm. and to study um, because it says really interesting things. So, for sure, we 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 have. I'm swimming in in 2021 ideology. Mm-hmm. You know, like none of my thoughts are my own. Nobody is a nobody's a free thinker. You know, like we all think in the wake of Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And an exciting thing. So, I mean, for example, you take um, probably one of the more free thinking moments in the world was the. Uh, kind of the rediscovering in the in the medieval uh by the medieval theologians particularly aquinas uh who anti Wright says baptized aristotle but the um you know this returning to the classics in uh the middle ages the um the rebirth and they were just you know the the, the these monks had transcribed um all these this ancient greek literature and then the monks began to read it and uh, people who knew latin and were trained by the monks began to read it and all of a sudden culture began to totally shift um and people began to be free thinking but they were just mm-hmm. being shaped mm. by the greeks if that makes sense um and um yeah exposure to brand new ideas is 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 pretty cool and um but everybody you know if 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 you just did nothing um if you just believed everything that that mainstream media told you mm-hmm. if you just believed everything that everybody on instagram told you if you just if you just did nothing and just everything that took it all my, my school mm-hmm. told mm-hmm. me everything right. in my college professor told me right like and that's what we do to a certain extent you know like we're just we're swimming in the ideology in the philosophy of of the modern age and we're not all that different if that mm-hmm. makes sense um and then you read the Bible, you know, it's going to be jarring. It's going to be totally jarring. People who are reading the Bible are thinking like like people 4,000 years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So obviously that's going to be totally jarring. Mm-hmm. Like my brother reads, you know, a lot of old literature. And my best way to describe him is like he's a medieval monk. Mm-hmm. He does not think, like his thoughts are so jarring. <laughs> In terms of, if you follow him on Instagram, mm-hmm. he's just like, mm-hmm. he believes the most crazy <laughs> stuff, but he's just not modern. Mm-hmm. He's, you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. mediable mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, he's been shaped by that. Mm-hmm. We've been shaped by here and now. Mm-hmm. And uh, either way, the Bible's going to challenge whatever generation that you're living in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if you're just, if you're just swimming, you know, and you're just going with the stream of society and then you pick up a Bible and start to read Paul, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be like, this is insanity. Mm-hmm. Of course, Christians are absolutely ridiculed and mm-hmm. called this and called that, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we don't care. We're not, we don't care to live mm-hmm. in in the contemporary. Mm-hmm. We care to live in light and in, in, in try to create a culture mm-hmm. um, that is biblical. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just, you know, you're it's like you have eight eyes mm-hmm. you know yeah <laughs> for sure strange michael what is can you explain to me this texas golf thing i don't know my brother got it for me texas golf i guess they have a golf team do they golf in texas yeah they golf a lot in texas it's kind of hot in texas it's a bit toasty it's a bit toasty <laughs> i've bit, golfed in texas before. have you yeah i played a golf game it's coming along yeah it could be better <laughs> i need to put in some more work but Jess is starting to play golf too. She took lessons yesterday. Did, Did you? you? Mm-hmm. Really? I've been thinking about doing that. Well mm-hmm. done, Jessica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not my name. <laughs> What's your name? It's just Jesse. Jesse. Short for Jessica. No, just J E S S E. Is it long for J? Yes. <laughs> Should be Jessica, though. <laughs> I'm not a Jessica. <laughs> Why Should do you be. guys think I'm interested in this? Just hearing you guys talking about this, just this idea of like bringing back something that is old and and. For so many people, I guess it just doesn't. Well, I guess the question is, why doesn't it hold up to the modern ideas that they're putting in front of, they're being, that are being put in front of them? Like, why is it so easy for somebody to just like take the messaging that they're hearing now and hold that up against a word that they've had taught their whole life? Um, 
and they're just as easy to like leave one thing to go towards another. Is it, is it, have we been talking about the Bible wrong for the last 20 years? Jake, what do you think? I don't like generalizations like that <laughs> because to, to, in- the whole point is to get you guys to comment on generalizations. <laughs> well, to, to say that would be incriminate, incriminating an entire generation of Christianity that's made up of hundreds of denominations and hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds and hundreds of teachers. So, no, I think a lot of people teach the Bible really well. Um, and I for sure think that there are people who leave behind uh, their faith who have grown up with really, really good teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think um, it necessarily comes down to that. I think there is, it is fair to say that um, Christian teaching has has maybe left people with a lot to be desired mm. um, in some circles and in many instances. Um, I think people hunger for what's true. I think goodness, beauty, and truth are the the ultimate transcendent transcendental desires of humanity, and so people want to cling to something that feels true. And when people are given a given sh- short shrift on the Christian message, and it ends up not being uh, true. Mm-hmm. Um, and their experience doesn't line up with it, then they're, of course, they're going to walk away from it. And they're going to associate that with, oh, this must be what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's not going to do the job for me. So, yeah, in, in some cases, absolutely. But that does not give somebody an excuse. They're not let off the hook to then go, well, it's not, I don't have any responsibility to do the learning for myself. Um, it's kind of like what we were talking about before, uh, when, before the podcast start recording is, um, in the deconstruction movement, people are deconstructing things and calling it deconstruction, but they're really just doing that in in many instances. And I'm not going to make a generalization here, but many people are doing that instead of just learning and just growing. Um, and I think if they did that, they would find because ultimately the Bible is true, and ultimately Christianity is true. Um, and if that is the case, then that is the best direction that you can go is to know the truth instead of um, resisting that because it's inconvenient or it takes too much work and too much time. And that's my feeling on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think people are trying to navigate, once again, the crisis of authority. And there's been a crisis of authority. Protestantism fractured our trust in traditional forms of authority. Mm -hmm. And so some of the craziest things ever have been the result of Protestantism. You know, like dispensationalism is just, it's just insane mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it's i think it's insane and so uh there's definitely i think deconstruction and you know once again these crises these crises of authority are being exposed for what they are people are going to have people are kind of coming back to their their epistemologies and going look how do i determine what is right about the bible and mm-hmm. and, and, and theology is it just the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> is that really is that really mm-hmm. uh what how we discover what we what we believe what we believe or is there something more to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um is there something to tradition that chesterton called the democracy of the dead so it's like mm-hmm. um is there something to interpretation with the church um you know there's something to the councils is there something to us doing you know things together not that the historic church was perfect on everything you know like that's why you know when i when i say historic christian orthodoxy um i just mean like you know can, can i pass my idea through the patrist the early church patristics the councils medieval theologians like aquinas and the reformers and can it survive them you know so i think that people are starting to come back to that because the other option is that it's just the smartest person in the room doing right. all of our all of our thinking and our you know what i mean and the smartest person like in what respect in what discipline yeah you know holy why should i listen to you yeah yeah look i love don carson and i love gk beale mm-hmm. you know and i love nt Wright, and i love these guys um but uh i find some of their most convincing ar- arguments typically to be when they're appealing to orthodoxy to orthodoxy exactly <laughs> and just go yeah just mere christianity as lewis called it right stuff that we've all sort of believed over time and obviously there's lots of freedom in christianity you know to um there's heterodoxy within orthodoxy you mm. know like what do you mean by that well i mean like you know we can we can disagree on baptism mm-hmm. and uh whether it's a sacrament or not mm-hmm. um and the function of it 
and at what age it should be performed and what it replaces and, and how much water should be used exactly <laughs> yeah and how many times should one be baptized right <laughs> so you know we can we can we can we there's room for disagreement um in philosophy and methodology you know and that's that's okay mm-hmm. And we don't all need to go to the same church, you know. Uh, we don't all need to have this, or or and des- or necessarily desire the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't learn the same, right? You know, we don't all all have the same focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but in terms of like what Christians believe mm-hmm. and you know, the important stuff, yeah, I think that there's just there's being a there's a, a rethinking going on, and it's really 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 good. I like I'm I'm more convinced with the advent of deconstruction that the church is going to be united. Yeah. This so, is this is just driving people. Yeah, it this forces is just driving, that. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's driving Christians. Totally. It's, it's doing two things. It's <laughs> driving people who don't have faith to the periphery. Mm-hmm. And it's driving people, confessional Christians, to the center of Christian orthodoxy. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, yeah. and we've like talked about this a bit over the last couple of days, just in terms of like where, what all, what the implications of all of this are for the church, right? So it's like talking about like what, especially coming out of COVID, you just talk to like every pastor you talk to. It's like, they're trying to figure out what this looks like now. Attendance is down for a lot of people across the board. Yeah. Like there's just article after article out there about like, you know, Christianity's dying in America. Mm-hmm. Less people go to church now than ever before right. or whatever. And so we're now kind of coming out of this. Um, and to make some generalizations again, um, <laughs> what I seem to see is in, in the Christian world is um, people essentially tripling down on what they've been doing and the way that they've been doing it and doing it louder than before or kind of going, what changes do we need to make and how do we move forward? So like, what do you guys think, I suppose, like to sound so on the nose here, like the future of church mm-hmm. looks like? What should it look like? Maybe what are some things we've been doing that we should stop doing and mm-hmm. what are some adjustments that should be made? Well, personally, I think that the future church needs to look like lasers. Lasers? Smoke yeah. machines? More lasers. More, more fog? Smoke. Yeah. Uh, paint the sanctuary black. Mm-hmm. Um, Sermon series based on Crank up Netflix, the volume. Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, popular yeah. titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so those are obviously some things that I think I think seem to people be will come in droves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we make those adjustments this Sunday. Mm -hmm. Also, stop talking about the Bible and start talking about how to lead. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Mm. some leadership principles. Yeah. Um, How about... Um, if you, you know, just just like get your life together. I just get your life together. You're in Michael's sweet spot right now because it's always like if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a leader of people. Yes. Light, so you hear it and you hear it and we're going to take every, your leadership every disciple, and you're going to lead. Forget the fact that you're not following Jesus and you don't know what it means to be a disciple, yeah. but you're leading. So that's if you're okay. just, every disciple is called the lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang every hang on. disciple. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of true. It's, it's all true, Jake. It, <laughs> if you are a follower of Jesus, if you don't wake up at six in the morning and listen to Zig Ziglar, Sometimes I wonder and if do 50 push-ups. I don't want you, you get away with it. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to say, sometimes I wonder no, no, no. if the biggest mistake we've made is telling everyone they can be a leader. Well, can they? What is a leader? Exactly. Like, so. Um, Someone sexy. When, when. <laughs> okay. So, well, let's just put it in. Let's put it in, in Christian context really quick. Right. Like, so um, if your friend sins, Jesus says you need to go to your friend and you need to confront them about their their sin yep. and ultimately what you're doing is you're leading them out of sin back into faithful christian witness mm-hmm. that's but, leadership but can we just say you're just being a good christian friend yes isn't that yeah. the same absolutely thing? Yeah. right but i guess that's what i'm saying look everybody right? but that's kind of like saying like everybody can paint well yes everybody can paint but to- not everybody no, absolutely. Can paint. <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm just saying and and listen i know in in the corporate in the in the corporate style of of uh modern day church world what i the example i gave is not what they have in mind (laughs) i'm just i'm just reaching for yes for something here to go well okay what leadership is not a bad thing no no it's not a bad thing no right but to your point not everybody should lead Mm -hmm. in in the Mm -hmm. sense that it's often Mm -hmm. meant yeah and not everybody's called to church leadership that's correct you know like in the in the in the in the in the un, in the commonly understood vernacular, I think we're getting off 
well, off tack here. What you yes, but I get yeah. So like, but you're okay. you're, you're asking me what does you know, yeah like what is how the, how we're, you know what the future church is? Yeah, Other than I'm, the telling you, I'm telling you that the future church is leadership sermons. <laughs> It's got to be more of those. It's got to be. <laughs> Ten ways to crush your morning. Ten, Ten ways, ways to, to crush, crush your no, morning. No, afternoon. Afternoon. Yeah, morning, everyone, we've already crushed night. mornings. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that, you know yes, what? Mornings are old news. Yeah, two o'clock. Morning, crushing your morning is what got us into this mess. Exactly. Right. It's true. It, we need to talk about now crushing, I'm hitting a crushing your, your afternoon yeah. and evening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Starting is easy. Finishing is hard. It's just, right. it's, we need to tell people, it's, we need to teach people life management. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like more courses on how to file your taxes. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? In January, if you're not preaching about taxes and how to file your taxes and, and, you know, oh, let's start a Ross IRA, you know, a, a Ross, Ross, a Ross, Ross IRA. Ross IRA. Well, I like my Marshall's IRA. Ross IRA. Chandler IRA. Did you, was it Jeff Bezos that they just, that they just released had a basically, IRA, he had, like, um, he had transferred a certain so. amount of Amazon stock into a, a Roth IRA completely tax-free and it just grew. And yeah, so it five was billion. Like, yeah, it just, was it billion? He's, he has five billion, five billion in, in a Roth, in a Roth IRA. IRA that can't yeah. now can't be taxed. Yeah. That's pretty genius. Yeah, it is. So we need to teach people that. Yes, we need to teach people that. We need to teach people how to work out. Mm-hmm. We, need to teach, we need to teach people how to date. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not enough relationships talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I read the Bible... It's just so much about dating and relationships. You know, Jesus talked about dating relationships constantly. Paul talked about dating relationships constantly. (laughs) Peter also dating relationships. So if you're not doing three months of dating relationships... In your your services, what are you doing? I I don't totally agree with you on that. Unless you're only talking about relationships in the romantic sense. Yes, the romantic sense. Okay, yeah. Relationships, dating. Yeah. Like we did a, um, probably what, like a, I think it was a 12 week series on friendship mm-hmm. and it was a book study of first and second Corinthians. No, no, no. The friendship then was after that. Oh, that's right. It was yeah. after that. You're right. Um, because I think, uh, I guess going back to the point on, on how to deal with sin. Right. In your friendships. It's good. That's how to be a good friend. Yeah. Right. So what does it mean to be a good friend? Like that's relationship. I think talking about real life stuff is not is not does not make it automatically surfacey i agree that's why we need to have more dating relationships (laughs) things well it's the it's it's like the the salesy nature of it right is that what you're talking about like i don't know you're you're not saying you're definitely not the future is look the future (laughs) is teaching single people how to date date, right yeah and married people how to be married Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. with just all these awesome like psycho counselor type takes mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah I'm, you could even add in like a and i've seen this just like every married couple in the church during the relationship series commits to each having sex one night you know like seven days in a exactly. row and we're gonna all do this together yeah and that's gonna strengthen our relationships yeah. i've seen yeah exactly mm-hmm. having regular sex does strengthen your relationship it does it we need to talk does. about that every it sunday definitely <laughs> It's important. <laughs> okay, but really, let's be serious. Let's be serious. Really, what, what, uh, like, I think we've learned a lot, but, but now we're like, you know, okay, well, what do we, what do we do now? You know, um, I guess, what do we think it looks like? Yeah. You know, because I guess one of the ways that I would say is like when I think about that question, the temptation that I have is like, well, churches should just turn into schools and like they should just be about education. But I, I, I think that's going like in the opposite direction too far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i do think there's something to it and it comes back to good biblical teaching um and th- that would certainly be part of my answer mm-hmm. is um really good bible teaching yeah and i know that you're a bible teacher so that's what you would automatically say no i wouldn't <laughs> then I, I think i mean i just you know i grew up in a charismatic church so I didn't grow up in a church that does expository. Right. And I wouldn't expect churches to, to, you know, if I was a pastor of a church, I wouldn't be teaching expository. Although it's probably the easiest way to teach. And you actually hit every single practical verse in there, mm-hmm. like marriage and dating mm-hmm. and, you know, what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think obviously one of the challenges topically is getting people's engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, or that's what is a perceived challenge. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's, uh, you know, it's, it's what it's balancing the, what people want versus what people need, mm. you know, 
Um, I think what people need though is to know their Bibles. Sure, for sure. I think the reason people fall for false ideologies is because it's like um, my friend always talks about how people that work for um, government agencies in the area of counterfeiting they don't get super good at spotting counterfeits by studying counterfeits. Right. They get really good at spotting counterfeits by studying the real thing. Yeah. And when you study the real thing, then you you can spot mm-hmm. counterfeits yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. So I I do think that's a, a huge piece is yeah. people being taught the Bible in a not so topical format in yeah. probably a more expository mm-hmm. format. Um and then I think the other aspect to it is people need an encounter. I think people need an experience with God. And when we come together as a church, there mm-hmm. should be an expectation that we're here to worship God. For sure. And we're here to encounter God. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that, the, like, I think there's good, I think topical teaching is good. You know, when you're trying to shape a, a church, you, you get from your church what you preach, mm-hmm. right? So if uh, I was talking to a, a church planner this week and He's asking me, you know, I want my church. I'm asking, you know, what do you want your church to look like? What are your distinctives? What are your passions? What are your values? We're going through them. And he's like, I want my church to be a worshiping church. I want mm-hmm. to be a worshiping church. So I'm like, okay, here are some resources. And for the, your first year, you should teach about worship. Mm-hmm. And you should not just teach your congregation, but you should also teach your staff and teach your worship leader and mentor him and disciple him, et cetera, or her or whatever. Um, so yeah, you get what you, you know, if that's going to be the earmark of your congregation, that's going to be a value for you. I want my church to feel like Bethel, you know, like, or whatever it mm-hmm. is, then, you know, you're not teaching expository you you have to, you have to, you have to preach into your church how you want it to be shaped. So that being said, you know, it, it's definitely, um, everybody's church is going to look different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, Frank Damasio wrote a book called the gate church. And just basically there's there's different gates in the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like a, a an app, applicative book, but different churches serve different purposes in the city, mm-hmm. you know? And so whatever you feel your church called to be, then you're obviously from the pulpit, you're going to shape that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's that element to it as well, you know? So the future of, of the church is just going to depend completely on... <laughs> what God's called that pastor mm-hmm. to be, yep. what that God's called that congregation to be. That's good. And then they're going to shape, you know, that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not every church needs to look the same, mm-hmm. you know, but definitely should have some some elements to it that make it feel like a church. Mm-hmm. Gospels preached, mm-hmm. Jesus is worshipped. That's probably a good place Those to are start. Two great elements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Cal- uh, John Calvin that said, uh, "Wherever the gospel is preached, wherever the sacraments are administered, and wherever the Lord is worshipped, that there is a church." Mm-hmm. It's probably a good little, you know, rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What makes a church a church is, uh, you know, a gathering at somebody's house, watching a video of a pastor is that making a church you know it's just <laughs> that's that's a real question mm-hmm. um do you think it does it i don't know mm-hmm. i think if i took if i agree with calvin and i probably do mm-hmm. um and i think that uh augustine would probably recognize calvin's mm-hmm. uh formula as a as a christian church i think aquinas would rec- recognize that formula you know like so just go back through the ages of how would people would people recognize this is this faithful too so sacraments are administered because i don't i believe that the sacrament yeah the sacrament should be administered you know like by a by a pastor mm-hmm. um and i believe that pastors have god-given authority you know to to do that i mean you know call for the elders of the church you know and have them mm-hmm. anoint him with oil like like that's there's the formula there right so uh yeah i just you know, if, if, if it never progressed past, there's 10 of us in a in somebody's basement watching a video, I don't know if that's a church. Mm-hmm. I would go, I think well, you need there somebody to... there's a missiological aspect of, um, of being a church as well. 100%. That's what the spiritual gift of evangelism, yeah. you know, aims at. And so to, to settle into, this is like our video gathering where mm-hmm. we're going to, you know, even, we, even if it's on video, you may very well still be growing together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that doesn't make it a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that was all that was, mm-hmm. no, I don't think it would be a church. Mm-hmm. If that was part of the component of a Sunday gathering where they're, then absolutely you're a part of a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I'm not against small groups, mm-hmm. you know, even though I, I can't stand them. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just for personal yeah. reasons. My father was shot at a small group when I was 12. I watched him die slowly. So it's your trauma. Your trauma yeah. keeps you from being able to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My trauma defines me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, if you take that away from me, I am no longer Nathan Finocchio. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am my trauma. Yeah, I am my trauma. I am my trauma. Don't take that away from me. I am the victim of an adult homicide. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the, yeah, just we're beating around the bush. But, but yeah, I definitely go like uh, a church is where the Lord is worshipped, where the gospel is preached, and where the, you know where we do communion. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty yeah mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty good it's pretty safe definition. speaking of yeah. house churches um oh, do we have to yeah. I, I do want to um <laughs> I, I do want to read this is good it goes with it goes along with this there's uh, one of my favorite accounts uh, on instagram i'm not going to name it because we're not about shaming sneakers people. and preachers it's called preachers and sneakers and um um prophets and watches prophets and watches and um but this is one of my favorite accounts because it's it's very uh deep and really meaningful uh says a lot of things from time to time and i just want to read you guys this recent tweet, i can't tell if you're being sarcastic this recent post <laughs> um and it, it said this and I, I just want to hear what you guys think about it um you would probably th- you oh, sorry let me let me just say that again let me back up you would think bible literalists would sell their property live in small communities and hold all things in common maybe don't maybe, maybe they don't take the bible as literally as we think say it one more time you would think Bible literalists would sell their property, live in small communities, and hold all things in common. Maybe they don't take the Bible as literally as we think. Yeah, hmm. totally. You'd think that Bible literalists would worship a rock because God is a rock. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that person is a genius. You know, they clearly understand. Um, <laughs> they clearly understand how things are supposed to be understood. <laughs> Can you have a, Well, you just didn't take that literally. And Peter, you know, chopped off the servant's sword, or ch- chopped off the servant's ear with the sword. Why aren't Christians chopping people's ears off with swords? Why don't you take the Bible literally? Uh, I, I don't know. You know? <laughs> that, that, that voice that I did at the end was the goonie. At, the goonie. At, the goonie at, guy. Uh, yep. At Bible literalists. Yep. yep. Who is, I don't, is, that, is that a deconstructionist? It, a yep, sad of course. De- it, is a, it is a deconstructionist. Totally. This is, so here's geniuses. the thing about, and this is why we've done like these like toxic theology, um, you know, things from time to time. Where we <laughs> that this, was but, good. <laughs> but like, this is why they make me mad is that it literally, ev- I, you've yet to read me one that's not a complete and total straw man statement. Like they're not saying anything true. Right. I don't know anybody who like looks at the Bible and, and recognizes that there are parts of the Bible that should be read literally who then goes, God is a rock. Right. And they read every single aspect of the Bible. <laughs> Dispensationalists read the book of Revelation <laughs> literally. And that is that sure. is, that's the, that is the big, everybody's big beef. It's like, why are you hating on dispensationalists? Because they do what they won't do to every other passage of scripture <laughs> to the book of Revelation. Anyways, I digress. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just, it's annoying. And you're you're poking fun at somebody that doesn't really exist. Right. Totally. It's like the Christian nationalist thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you find one, put it in a cage. Let us study it. Because it's a unicorn. <laughs> you know, like, there's Christians out there and they're worshiping the flag today. And I'm like, who's worshiping right. the American flag? Right. Worshiping America. Like that's how that's how desperate you are to hate Trump's Trump Trump right. supporters. Mm-hmm. Look, hate them for other good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> There's other great reasons to not like Trump supporters. That is you're not gonna, one you're going to trigger Jess. Be careful. You're going to trigger oh Jess. She's going to get mad over there. You know what I mean? Like it's like, dude, I'm <laughs> I'm with you, but you're totally losing me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're Read it again. Okay. They're everywhere. I, they're, they're everywhere in the South, man. They're everywhere where I grew up. Okay. Like once again, get them in, put them in a cage and let me examine mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Right. You would think Bible literalists would sell their property, live in small communities and hold all things in common. Maybe they don't take the Bible as literally as we think. Yeah. Maybe they don't. 
That's maybe that's it. That, that, they just did themselves a favor. Oh, maybe maybe they don't actually. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're not idiots who just read the Bible mm -hmm. in a two dimensional mm -hmm. way. Totally. And yes, uh, slaves are bigger masters. See, that's why slavery is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more. You guys ready? One yes. More? Yeah. One yes, more, please. All right, at least one more. And this is okay. We can do two more. This is um, this one's interesting because it uh, it uses one of my favorite current words. No laughing back there, um, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this use, this is, is one of my is favorite current words. We've forgotten that the Christian faith is birthed from voices of the oppressed, not the oppression of the empire. The one more empire, time. One more time. That's my new fine. favorite word. Yeah. We've forgotten that the Christian faith is birthed from voices of the oppressed, not the oppression of the empire. And okay. then they say, the sooner we remember this, the sooner we remember this, the better off the American evangelical church will be. <laughs> okay. So hold down there, Harley. Okay. <laughs> Um, empire. All yeah. you got to do is put the word empire in the sentence yeah. and it immediately becomes. All right. So let's talk about empire for a second. Uh, Joseph, part of the empire, right? Um, Moses created an empire for all intents and purposes, mm -hmm. right? Like, and Israel leaves. By founding the nation of Israel. Yeah, leaves mm -hmm. Egypt. And then they start to just empire everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there you stop empiring me, man. You know, like <laughs> Moses... Moses uh, got his butt kicked and kicked butt also. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, let's talk about David, who wrote a lot of the Bible, mm -hmm. right? Like David, for as a gift, you know, for a wedding, got 200 Philistine penises. Right. And put them in a bag. <laughs> I was like, here's your bag of <laughs> Saul, you know, as your future son-in-law. This is a crawl under this table right <laughs> now. Right, like start twitching. Like, yeah. like think of that. Like, how's that not empire? You know what I mean? Like, right. oh Solomon. I mean, <laughs> ask, ask uh, 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 Walter Brueggemann what he thinks about Solomon. My lord, he goes hard. His whole, his whole <laughs> shtick, Brueggemann's whole shtick, is that the whole thing began to go sideways at Solomon because that was when empire started to you know to to creep in or whatever. And I'm just going, bro, like. No, <laughs> you know, uh, so was Solomon, you know, a bit of a jackknob for not mm -hmm. like obeying the the law, like, you know, like multiplying wives, multiplying horses, multiplying silver and gold, et cetera. Like, yeah. So obviously he made some mistakes, but for him to secure Israeli borders, um, you know, the borders that God had given them. Right. And to to to. Uh, to build the fortresses and to, you know, da, da, da. that's not empire. Okay. So empire is imperialism. That is what empire is. You have to kind of define your terms here, these, which these people never do. Mm -hmm. um, but all that to say, if you want to talk about, like, we just talked about a bunch of people who they're not the oppressors in this situation mm -hmm. and they wrote a ton of scripture, mm -hmm. you know, then like, look at some of the prophets, like Isaiah was, was Jewish royalty, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, for all intents and purposes, once again, he was part of the empire, right? Like, um, then, then certainly in, in in the New Testament, you know, Paul was a Roman citizen. For all intents and purposes, if you're a part of Rome and you're afforded all of these protections by the Roman <laughs> state, um, even though he lost his head, he only lost his head because he was a Christian, um, not because he didn't have all the privileges of being a Roman. Um, so it's just not accurate to say that the scriptures, you know, that you can just, you know, take this, 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 this modern, um, intersectional, uh, uh, division and whittle every single contributor to the Bible down to, through this modern lens of intersectionality. They wouldn't, they, all of them are male. Mm -hmm. They're all straight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of them are rich. Most of the biblical authors are loaded, had a lot of money. You know what I mean? And then some of them were were part of oppressive empires by her definition. So it's just not it's just not accurate to reflect that. And then, I mean, this would this would really bum her out. But is it um, her? It probably, it's got to be. Um, I believe it's a he. Okay, it's a well, they. it's definitely a he she. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> lady, it's a lady boy. No, uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> my point is simply that. Um, you know, the rich just keep getting richer. Yeah. 
that's the story of everybody that obeys God. <laughs> you know, it's like Abraham, he just just like he just kept on getting rich. The rich just keep getting richer, man. I hate this stuff. You know, like like <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who like hates capitalism and like the rich just keep richer and there's just wealth gaps, you know, in between, you know, all these people. It's like, yes, there are wealth gaps. Mm -hmm. It's called people who were blessed by the Lord and people who weren't. And you're going to hate the Bible if you're reading it through these insane Marxist lens, right? That's like, you're not looking at the right stuff. But to say that not everybody who's rich is blessed by the Lord. Well, obviously, you know, that's 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 the other side of it. But when the Bible cle <coughs> clearly says, and the Lord multiplied him mm -hmm. and the Lord multiplied his sons and the, like um, in the book of Job, I just mean in a modern like in our modern. Totally. Context. Yeah. But the scriptures like they overtly say, you know, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. You know, like so it's <laughs> like so if the scriptures are saying that and the and the determining the, the, the metric for Job being better off in the end was all of the multiplication financially, you know, and I'm, like, it's like, you're not going to like the Bible if you're reading it through the Marxist lens. Mm -hmm. So stop, stop importing your values into mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and allow which is called eisegesis. It's when you're trying to import something into the text, mm -hmm. rather allow the text to speak mm -hmm. from it and mm -hmm. put, maybe put down um, your modern, uh, framework mm -hmm. you know and stop jamming meaning into scripture <laughs> that's not things that it's not trying to say mm -hmm. now imagine somebody going through scripture um and just and and their their big shtick is cisgender privilege mm -hmm. you're like how's that going to work for them mm. poorly mm -hmm. exactly right. yeah exactly mm -hmm. uh so it it that will literally never work out mm -hmm. And you'll be, you know, you'll just be frustrated with God because you're you're not trying to listen to him. You're trying to tell him what's up. You know? Right. So yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, mm -hmm. definitely some mm -hmm. problems there. <laughs> Read it again. Uh, we've forgotten that the Christian faith is birthed from voices of the oppressed, not the oppression of the empire. Right. Got it. Okay. So uh they're obviously specifically talking about New Testament authors there. Yeah. And by oppression, they mean the fact that they were persecuted Christians. Maybe right, that's my Maybe. guess. Totally. Yeah. But once again, just you work your way down through what are some things that Jesus is guilty of? Cisgendered. Mm -hmm. Patriarchal society, that's a good one. Well, that well, that becomes the obvious question. I right? think like, what do they mean by Oh, the oppression? best here's a comment below exactly. it. Uh, white Western Christians need to approach the scriptures with themselves in the position of the Romans, not Jesus and the disciples. A chunk of our modern church toxicity comes directly <laughs> from this reality. That's so stupid. <laughs> right. So it's like like uh, imagine if Paul said to um any of the churches that he founded like hey this is the gospel um but you need to live the rest of your christian life with a very keen distinct awareness that you are a uh an oppressor mm -hmm. and um allow that to inform your ultimate reality it's just absolutely silly and the thing about it is is paul was a, a acutely oppressed person by uh, I guess a, a pure definition of that word, but it's clear he didn't think of himself in that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul's <laughs> so defeated. So Paul's, like, Paul's, <laughs> Paul definitely fails the intersectional test because there's aspects to his life that are not oppressed. And then there's aspects of his life that are oppressed, you know, and some of his oppression is sort of brought on by his own self. He, yeah. he became a Christian. And so, you know, you reap the benefits of being um, part of a religion that's outlawed. Right? Exactly. Um, but um, but all that to say, um, Judaism, by the way, was was uh, a, an accepted religion of Rome. Um, of course, uh, not during the reign of Tiberius uh, or, you know, Claudius. Um, but... Um, what, the the th the thing that what, what was he, the very end of that quote? White Western White Western Christians. Oh yes, yes, yep. yes. yes. Yep. Okay, so 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 exactly. My thought, Jake, what you're talking was, I would love to rewrite the Book of Romans, <laughs> and it's Paul writing to the Romans as oppressors. Mm -hmm. You know, so like think of it, like he's going to Rome, mm -hmm. he's going to go minister to a Roman church, a predominantly Roman church. There are Jews in the church. Um, those Jews have probably just come back from Corinth. Priscilla and Aquila went to Corinth because they were expelled from Rome during Claudius's 
expulsion of the Jews, I believe, in mm-hmm. 1853. But um, long story short, you get those guys in there. He's Paul's coming. There's a ton of Romans that are mentioned in the honor roll, I believe, in Acts chapter 16, 15. And how good would it be if he starts it out and he's like, you know, you Gentiles are just oppressors, man. You, you've been oppressing us and oppressing us. And you need to see yourself as Egyptians. You need to see yourself as Pharaoh. Mm. Okay. Because right now you see yourself as, as, as the Israel of God mm-hmm. and you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You need to begin to decenter your Roman Christianity mm. and you need to recenter, you know, and right. Like mm-hmm. how good would that be? Mm-hmm. You are the Babylonians. That's what you are. You are the Assyrians. And you're persecuting my family. And I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. put a jihad on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one. What, that's what I'm doing. This fall, I'm rewriting the book of Romans. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be... Through an intersectional matrix. Yes. Yeah. It's it's going to be called the book of Romans for the wokes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think I that'll that. sell. It's going to sell. Like hotcakes. Like hotcakes. One more. We got time for one more. Yeah. <sighs> Jess, we got time for one more. It's getting hot yeah. in here, Jesse. Uh, it, it is hot. Okay, that one is more. Last one. We can't. It is my name. Yes. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> this is a good one. It's weird being taught that God loves you just as you are, but also you're evil at your core. So repent and change who you are for God to fully accept you, because this won't cause any anxiety or confusion, right? <sighs> yeah. I mean, once again, only grown-ups are able to 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 hold to thoughts oh intentions. <laughs> exactly. You know, so um, although chi- not you know, all grownups, no, not all grownups do that. But like, but like children, but children, you know, like for example, you can punish a child and then hug them, mm-hmm. and they get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I transgressed. Mm-hmm. Daddy loves you, but daddy's gonna spank you, mm-hmm. spanking, crying, and then you hug them. I love you, okay, and then they get it. You know, it's like it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. But, but what what is impressive is being an adult. And coming to a conclusion like that, <laughs> you know, that's the hard work. You know, it's like, you know, like where two things can be true, where, yes, you are like the scriptures clearly say this is not a person who can who, who thinks that, that the Bible is the word of God. Right. Right. This is the right. So it's like what, what like at this point, why even engage? Because we 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 don't see eye to eye on the first principle. So we're just arguing peripherals all day long exactly. um, the first principle here is that I believe that the scriptures 2 Timothy 3.16 all scriptures God breathed mm-hmm. so I believe you know when when the Bible says that um, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God mm-hmm. Romans chapter 3 uh, when the Bible you know, and Jeremiah says that the heart is wicked mm-hmm. um, when uh, you know all have gone astray Isaiah says that all have gone astray all of them not one is you know um, so I believe that um, and and I, I see it in myself. I'm not a good person. Mm-hmm. And if you're honest with yourself and like people who aren't even Christians are honest with themselves. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I mess up. I think I'm a good person, but like there's, yeah, I definitely, you know, like we have, there's, so it's just right. not, this person isn't even honest. And they can readily accept that people in their life can love them, but still want them to get better. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you're in a relationship, <laughs> let's say you're married, right? Like I, I don't question the fact that my wife loves me. Mm-hmm. I also don't have any issue with the fact that my wife hopes that I will become a better husband. Right. right. And that does not disqualify the fact. <laughs> yeah. It also doesn't cause me anxiety. Does it, I was going to yeah. say, does it cause you confusion? It doesn't anxiety. cause me any confusion yeah. or any anxiety. It's just a fact of life yeah. that, that we are all imperfect and it's not ludicrous for somebody to expect you to grow, yeah. especially if that person is God yeah. who made you and who imprinted his image upon totally. you. Mm-hmm. Like, the, of course. And when you become a Christian, you officially become a child of God. And so to come back to the parent analogy, I expect you as my child to grow mm-hmm. and to leave childish things behind yeah. and to grow into the mature manhood, yeah. uh, into the knowledge of the Son of God, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Even um, even guys on death row who are like serial killers, their moms come, you know, and visit, visit them, them and still yeah. love them. You know, it's like, so that's a paradox that, you know, you, you never expect somebody who's on death row for their family to abandon them Mm. their family are hurt their family are wounded you know because there's things that are broken in them but they still love them Mm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and that's that's perfectly it's perfectly reasonable Mm -hmm. that paradox is reasonable Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like talk about a great paradox and a great illustration that that mm -hmm. Ted Bundy's mom still liked him mm -hmm. or still loved him, mm -hmm. even though she knew he was a wicked person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's an example of um, like, that's not a straw man argument. That's just a um, it's an argument that they themselves actually don't even believe. Mm -hmm. Um, if, in reality, the right. way they live their life yeah. is is they accept that fact mm -hmm. that you can love somebody and still expect them to yeah. grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like people who believe in like egalitarianism. It's like, yeah, in theory, you believe that you're an egalitarian, but there's always a pecking order, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. We don't. Nobody goes. Um, Okay, where should we eat tonight? Let's say it on three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's always a pecking order. There's always somebody who takes charge in certain situations. Um, and so everybody's sort of functionally complementarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, equal. 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 We're equal. <laughs> we are, everybody's equal at this church. Let's all say on three what building we're going to buy next year. <laughs> Ready? One, two, and they all said it. Yep. Equal. Yep. Mm -hmm. This yep. was great. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Nate. Everybody. Thank you, Michael. Subscribe. Do us a huge favor. Rate the show. Leave us a comment to outweigh the comment that we got calling us three men who talk about things and not knowing what we're talking about. That would be a huge help. So go ahead and, and leave a review that, that offsets hurts. that. And uh, we're going to take a few weeks off. So I'm about to have a kid. It's summertime. So we'll see you back in, I don't know, a few August? weeks. August. Season two. Probably August for season two. Unless, we love you. Unless there's COVID. Unless lockdowns. there's COVID. In which case, we'll see you in 2035. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see you in 2035. Yeah. This has been fun. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.